Hello. 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 Welcome to the Bears, Birds, and Brews podcast. This is a show about Chicago Bears, the Atlanta Falcons, and craft beer. My name is Asawakani. My co-host is... Nabil Alani. Our super producer is... Nader Wazir. And on today's episode, we are quarantined once again, each of us in our home breweries, home brewery offices, if you will. Um, and we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the main topic of today's show, at least as of now, is WrestleMania. But there's also a ton of football news to talk about, which is what we're going to start with. But before we do that, um, I'm drinking a beer. And today I'm drinking the definitive Spirals Double Dry Hop IPA. Um, this is from Portland, Maine. I got this from Stout Brothers. Uh, near Roswell location over the weekend. Shout out to Stout Brothers. They got some really good stuff. I got a growler of Bissell Brothers for Bears, Birds, and Brews um, that is sitting in my fridge right now and is going to be there for another few weeks. And um, super excited about that. In the meantime, I'm drinking the super fresh IPA that I've seen a lot of uh, pop up in the Facebook groups and the Atlanta beer groups. And so I'm super excited about this one. Can is super cool. I got pictures for you on bears, birds, and brews. Nice. Twitter yeah. and Instagram coming up. And, uh, but it's not just about me. We got now there here. We got Nabil here. What's up y'all? How y'all doing? Pretty good, man. Uh, ran a little dry on booze. So <laughs> I have a, uh, classic, uh, LaCroix, <laughs> you know, um, what is this? Raz cranberry, you know, I feel imperial. like I feel like right from the office to drink something like that. Yep, yep. It's an imperial. There you go. <laughs> no, it's a sour, bro. It's a sour. Imperial sour. Imperial sour. Mm. So, yeah, this is fire, by the way. This beer. Yep. If y'all are looking for a new beer right Oh, awesome. Do you get any like lemon in that? Any lime? What do you get? Yeah, that's yeah, just. So, man, I don't need. I'm trying to see what the can says specifically. I already took care of that. I got you. Don't don't cheat. Just taste it. Let me know what you get. All right. Let me let me taste some more. It's an eight point two, by the way. I know. I was gonna get there. The heavy hitter. Yeah, I mean, I get some. I feel like I get some citrus. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a hop expert, but I wonder if there's some mosaic in there. It's citra. Citra. Okay. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, I definitely get some of that. It's very fresh. I mean, it's light. Like for a double IPA. I could easily drink another one to two of these, like without easily. Um, Is it like a little fruity, fruity-ish? Yeah, I mean, there's that citrus. It's like that freshness that you'd get from like fresh fruit, summertime fruit. You know, it's great like springtime, summertime beer. I'd say um, it's light. I can't wait for this to open up a little bit more now that it's got some air into it, and we'll see how that goes. Um, the color looks kind of like a, like a ruby or a grapefruit looking sort of deal, like. And it's like not your typical like crisp looking IPA. Yeah. Um, so it, it looks like there's a lot going on in there. But um, Nabil, why don't you play the royal spoiler and tell everybody what's in here? Oh, so it has a lemon and lime. Well, it has lemon and lime taste. I mean, it smells like lemon and lime. And it should have a little bit of meringue, some yellow cantaloupes. And yeah, I mean, that's not like the... And then each person, they get their own taste and everything. So everyone's right. palate's a little different. Um, so since I am out of beer, I did get beer, but I drank it all over the weekend. That's why you didn't wait. All start <laughs> on me. Uh, but a couple of cool stuff that I had that's actually available at Exhibit Ale in downtown Lawrenceville. 
um, Abraxas. Uh, it's an awesome stout, coffee, vanilla, delicious. Uh, Stay Gold by Creature Comforts. Wow. And um, I had Bissell Brothers Substance, which was awesome. So, yeah, I mean, pick, pick those up. Those are awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I'm send out some pictures of it. The Abraxas was great. So it, it's a definitely a great after-dinner stout to have. Heavy as hell, but still great. And Stay Gold is something we've had on the show before. I remember hearing yeah. that. That was a collab with Run the Jewels. Yeah, that's right. That was a cool can. I remember yeah. that, that can work we talked about, Asif, on the show. Um, all right, so let's get started on all of the wonderful stuff we have talking to talk about. Um, there was some really, really cool events happening last week. Nothing really sports-related, but Tony Gonzalez did retweet and respond to a post of ours. Uh, we showed his first touchdown in Atlanta. And, and uh, he mentioned that it wasn't a bad touchdown, a pretty awesome touchdown for an old guy, to which we responded and told him we'd love to have him on the show. So, Tony Gonzalez, if you ever hear this, you are officially invited again to Bears, Birds, and Brews. We'd love to have you on. He also gave a shout-out to uh, Roddy White, who had a sick block on that play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, did you know that Roddy White used to eat the All-Star Special Waffle House before every game? Seriously? Game. Yeah, that's what he said once. He's like, they asked him in this special thing that I saw, and they were like, what do you eat before the game? What's your pregame meal, you know? And yeah. He's like, he's like, I go to Waffle House, and I get the All-Star Special. That's what he used to eat. And um, I, shit, it worked for him. That is dangerous. But he probably ran really quick back to the locker room after the game. <laughs> because Yeah, his pregame routine was probably like my pre-podcast routine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why he, that's why the dog was always at the kick because he was always late. <laughs> right. uh, um, yeah, shout out to those guys. Also, Tamika Catchings uh, liked our tweet too. She got nominated and uh, elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame along with Kobe, KG, Tim Duncan, and a few other people. So it's cool. We got WNBA players, well, WNBA Hall of Famers, NFL Hall of Famers liking our posts on Twitter and engaging with us on social media. So if you're not following us, do that right now at Bears, Birds, and Brews. There we go. It's epic what we got going on on social media. Oh, and the bell does a lot, of, a lot of that. So shout I out try to you. Try to. Um, but yeah, we did have some small NFL news. Um, Bears news, actually. Uh, so this, um, the Bears GM and head coach confirmed that Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky is going to be an open competition this year, which is probably great news to all Bears fans because for the last two years, it's just been given to Mitch. So now yeah. he actually has to, has to earn it or it's going to be Nick Foles. And um, Nick Foles' contract details actually came out as well. His contract right now is essentially a three-year, $24 million contract. Um, but each year, if he gets bonuses, those bonuses roll over to the next year. Meaning if he gets a dollar worth of a bonus – his contract next year will be $8 million, $8 million and $1. So, um, yeah. Like the contract $1 makes a huge difference, man. Well, it depends how many bonuses he gets and everything. But, yeah, I mean, you know, so far the contract doesn't look too bad. Um, true competition. Let's see what happens. I mean, with the, um, with the bonuses, it's kind of a win-win. If Nick Foles gets those bonuses, that means he's a good quarterback. If he doesn't, then he's still there and he's a good backup. So, I see it as a win-win. How would you feel if uh, Trubisky ends up up starting over him? I mean, 
Well, it depends. If Mitch actually is the better quarterback in training camp, I'd be happy as hell. Right. But okay. if he's just given the job, then I'd be pissed. So there's no actual way of me knowing, you know. Right. But so if Mitch wins the job and he comes out week one and he throws four touchdowns, boom, he earned the job. He's good. We're good to go. But mm-hmm. if he's a starting quarterback and he comes out week one, he throws four picks and he can't complete a pass and he's overthrowing by 10 yards, then Nick better come in quick. Right. Um, I or he's Nick's the job to lose right. right. And then, uh, sorry, remind our listeners, did you predict that Foles would end the year as a starter by week uh, two? I think Foles is going to start game one. Okay. Yeah, that's my prediction right now. Yeah. I think he should. I mean, he's, I mean especially with, like, there's going to be no offseason activities, very, very small training camp. I mean, you know, Nick knows the offense. Nick knows every coach on the offensive side. Right. So it's kind of set up for him to start. Right. He wouldn't have been brought in if the coaching staff didn't feel comfortable with him being there. I mean, yeah. So Bill Lazor was his coach in Philly. Nagy yeah. was his coach in um, Kansas City. Uh, who else do we got? Um, or Juan Castillo was his offensive line coach. So many connections. It just makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, my my internal Bears fan still wants uh, Mitch to win it over and to have a great season. But if Foles is the response and Foles wins out and takes us to a Super Bowl, I will not be upset. You know. I I just want to I want to get ten wins and go from there. I mean, I don't, yeah. Like, yeah, ten wins would be already. Amazing. I don't know what the offense is. I don't know where the offense is. But you know, with this expanded playoff format, though, like ten wins isn't as important now as it used to be. Because 10 wins before, would you'd be a lock in the playoffs. Now you could potentially sneak into the playoffs with seven wins, you know? Eh, I don't know about seven wins. I, so they, they looked at the history of it. There's only been one case where a seven-win team would have gone in. There's oh, yeah. been multiple 10-win teams where that missed yeah. the playoffs. So, okay. you know, 10 wins may still not get you in the playoffs. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I think when they looked back at it, the Bears were actually on the outside looking in about four times, and each time they had 10 wins. So, yeah. may, hey, maybe 10 wins will be enough. I don't know. I just want 10 wins right now and go from there. Yeah, Makes I agree sense. with that. Um, that. I mean, that would be pretty impressive for – if Trubisky can bring you 10 wins, that's huge step forward. Well, right? I'm assuming Nick Foles can get us 10 wins. Right, right, that's what I'm saying. So, if Trubisky can do it, that's a huge step forward. If Nick Foles can do it, then it shows that he's worth the money, I would say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this, contract, this contract isn't that bad. Yeah. It's not that bad. I mean, it's, like about it. it's, it's yeah. an average $8 million a year right now. And, yeah. yeah. It's a perfect for a starting quarterback. Like, and, and if he maxes out his contract, he'll get $16 million. That's still not bad. Yeah. Solid. Solid. That's going to help a lot with this uh, economic shutdown that we got going on. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, did you guys realize that today was supposed to be the national championship game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Today, right? Yep. It would have been today, and it would have been in Atlanta. Yeah. Yep. I know at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is we would be in a completely different place right now. Like, you know, what's your prediction? Who would have won? <laughs> Got Kansas. <laughs> right there, you go. That. 
Hey, That's the strike photo right there. Remember when we had Nabil Kareem on and he was like, dude, I have no idea he was going to win the tournament? Well, yeah, I still yeah. have no idea he was going to win the tournament. Yo, he, he was right. He was right. He, he predicted it all without his no answer was an answer. That's why he works for ESPN. There you go. go. He knows. He knew. He knows. He um, had that real 2020 vision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, speaking um, of basketball. Some other news. Um, Robert Quinn, the uh, defensive end that the Bears signed, said that um, this decision to sign with the Bears came down to a coin flip between the Falcons. It's pretty crazy, I think. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I wonder, like – do you think that he had the same opportunities available to him in both on both teams? Like, I mean, it almost seemed like it had to be like a literal tie when you do pros and cons of both teams in both places. Like they each came down to like literally had to be a coin flip. I mean, that's what it makes it seem like, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's interesting just because on, on the Falcons, he'd have to be the primary pass rusher. On the Bears, he's the secondary pass rusher. Falcons, he'd be the second option on defense. The Bears, he's a third option on defense. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I, I see it as a great fit for either team. I oh, mean, yeah. Falcons end up getting Dante Fowler out of it anyway. And, you know, let's see what Fowler does. You know, I think Fowler can do well. Um, you know, when you look at Robert Quinn's last couple of years, he's been – his win rate on um, against left tackles and right tackles have been off the charts. So, I do think it's going to be a great – great fit on the bears but it could have been a great fit on the falcons as well we just we won't know yeah i mean it's almost one of those things when like when the guy is that good he's that good you know like yeah. you can put him anywhere and he's gonna be like like for example had khalil mack gone to anywhere but chicago he probably still would have dominated because that's just how good he is now granted the system and the defensive coaches and all that stuff that he played with allowed him to excel to a high level but like he's just that good of a player that he's a yeah. literal game changer wherever you put him yeah agreed all right so here's a real question is what did he pick heads or tails and i'm guessing whichever one was the winner so do you think he picked heads and it flipped heads and that was chicago and it falcons were tails or other way around i'm assuming he used a quarter and I the tails was the Falcons because the back of a quarter is an eagle. And I'm assuming it was a 1999 quarter because I just realized quarters have states on the back of them right now. That really shows my age. Wow. They, wow. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stick with that answer that the bill gave. I also wanted to point out, and like, I wish I would have been able to catch this stat on TV and get a photo of it, but pretty sure I saw that Robert, uh, that he was, the most efficient defensive player in the league last year, actually. Um, most efficient pass rusher in the league. Yeah. 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 So for his position, and you're talking about guys compared to like Clowney, Watt, and uh, Aaron Donald and stuff like that. And, and Aaron Donald was second, I believe. And that's just amazing that Aaron Donald was the second most efficient pass rusher, especially because he's pass rushing from the inside rather right. than the outside. But yeah. Robert Quinn did was the most efficient in terms of like wins and getting off, you know, getting past the tackle and time and everything. And I think the percentage was uh, 23.9. And so he led with that. So, I mean, like pretty yeah. much a quarter of the time he got to where he wanted to go. That's, yeah. that's great. I mean, if you talk about four downs, that's one of every four downs that he's making a play. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. And, 
And the thing is, like, the Bears have a good rotation in defensive end and in uh, linebacker. So it's going to be good to see, you know, not only him fresh, but Cleo Mack fresh. So, yeah, I mean, I'm already ready for football. I don't know if you guys are, but. Oh, yeah. Well, and I know this wasn't on the agenda, but I did want to bring up that to replace Quinn, uh, the Cowboys actually ended up signing Alden Smith, which um, I don't know if you guys know the Alden Smith story, but he went to Mizzou. Yep. And he was he was a stud at Mizzou. Actually, he went seventh overall in the NFL draft, um, and he was drafted to had to be San Francisco. Niners. Yeah, Niners. Um, he was so a stud on the Niners too. Yeah, no, he was drafted by San Francisco. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. Niners. Okay, yeah. He was drafted by San Francisco. And then, so he was drafted there. And he played alongside Justin Smith, who also went to Mizzou, or not alongside, but opposite. And then Alden Smith obviously had the substance abuse issues. But, I mean, he led the league in sacks for a good bit of the year, especially as a really young player. And they said that he's finally gotten sobered up and all that stuff. Um, And so good for him. Good to see him back out there. I think Jerry Jones is probably like, okay, we lost Quinn, so now we got to have the equivalent firepower taking a risk, maybe giving a guy a second or third chance. Hopefully it works out for him. I'd love to see him succeed because we were at Mizzou at the same time. I didn't know him. I heard a crazy story about him that he was kind of eccentric. Um, but it seems like he's gotten his act together. So it would be great to see him dominate again because I think he could really do well in Dallas too if he gets back to where he was originally. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope he does well. Uh, Nava, you had some Robert Quinn stats for us. I did, and so he was one of the – you're right, Asif, he was the most efficient pass rushers in football, uh, and he generated pressure on 14% of pass rushes last season. Uh, and he was actually second to Zadarius Smith, who was uh, 14.6% of pass rushes. But I think Robert Quinn played more games. Zadarius Smith was injured for a few, which is why he was slightly more efficient. So my bad on not getting the stats right, but I saw a number that was 23.9 associated yeah. with him somewhere. But I know the one you're talking about, Asif. Um, it, it's on pass, it was on um, beating the tackle or something, I believe. But, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, I just – you know, Robert Quinn was a good signing, I believe. And, yeah, I mean, that, that, that not more we need to talk about that on, in that sense. But we had some cool stuff that happened over the weekend, though. Yes, we did. Uh, what was that event, Asif? What happened over the weekend? Uh, the big one. Yeah, well, first of all, for those of you guys watching on YouTube, I just got to show off my Randy Savage shirt. Um, Shout out to Big Play Jay, who we asked everybody on Twitter, what's your favorite WrestleMania moment? And, uh, Nabil, you had my Twitter buzzing like crazy on Saturday morning. (laughs) I was trying to sleep in, and I get all these notifications with all these wrestling gifts and memories. I'm like, all right, it's WrestleMania time. Let's go. Um, (laughs) DMs? Yeah, well, yeah, DMs were exchanged on our personal social media account and on my personal account. So let's just put it that way. You know? Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, WrestleMania was over the weekend. It was WrestleMania 36. It was supposed to be in Tampa at the Bucks stadium. Um, I'm sure Tom Brady would have been there had everything gone according to plan. Um, but with the COVID outbreak, they had to change it up. And so WrestleMania became a two night event for the first time ever. And it was a Saturday, Sunday thing. It was pre-recorded, probably not for the first time ever, but for the first time in pretty much our lifetimes of being adults, you know, WrestleMania was not live broadcast. Um, 
And it was great. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, there were some moments where there were no fans in the audience. And a lot of people on Twitter said WrestleMania without fans isn't WrestleMania. And it doesn't feel like WrestleMania. But I think if you really watch the matches closely, like there were a handful of good matches. And I would think that most wrestling fans would tell you that this was legitimately one of the best WrestleManias that we've had in years. Um, maybe given the circumstances, despite the circumstances, I think it's another one of those things similar to when we talked about Quinn, where when somebody or something is just that good and it's undeniably good, you have to accept it for what it is. And so yeah. I think that's the case with this WrestleMania as well. There were a handful of matches that you could say like, all right, that was one of the best matches of that star's career or that match made that star or that moment was the WrestleMania moment that we've come to associate with WrestleMania um, every year, multiple times an episode. And so uh, on Saturday, you know, there's, we all know the Buck Stadium has a big pirate ship in the end yep. zone, right? Yeah. And uh, Kevin Owens, who's one of my favorite wrestlers, he's Canadian. He, Is he related to, wait, Kevin, never mind. Keep going. Oh, no, you're fine. So then Kevin Owens was um, – he – at WrestleMania on the broadcast on Saturday night on the WWE Network, he jumped from the WrestleMania sign, quote-unquote, that was behind the announcer's table. So he still took like a 20, 25-foot drop um, from the sign onto the announcer's table to deliver an elbow. And Roger Romero and Randy Savage, um, he jumped 25 feet to give Seth Rollins an elbow onto the table from the WrestleMania sign with nobody in the audience. And even at home, I was like, holy shit, you know? And um, Wild. the next morning on Twitter, he was talking about, hey, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you guys, you know, got to escape from the world that we're living in for a few hours. And he said, I was at a show in Tampa in January. Kevin Owens said this on Twitter. I was at a show in Tampa in January and I said, no matter what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to jump off that boat for my match. <laughs> like, he was committed to doing it so much so that he, he was like, I took pictures of every angle for the boat that I possibly could to figure out how I was going to get it done. And I was committed to doing it, and I had it planned out already. Um, and you'd have to think, like, the security at the stadium had to know who he is, that they're going to be there. He talked to him about, okay, let me get up there or stuff like that. And um, he had to call an audible, if you will. But he's like, he made it work for the broadcast. And so for people who said WrestleMania without the fans wasn't WrestleMania, I would think you had to really watch closely. And the veterans, so like Kevin Owens, Undertaker, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, you know, some of the uh, women's wrestlers, like the veteran wrestlers didn't let no audience impact them. They pretty much made it where this is WrestleMania. We're going to act like it's WrestleMania, whether one person is watching or 100,000 people are watching or 70,000 people in the stands are watching. And some of the newer wrestlers, you could tell, were kind of like thrown off by because they didn't have the crowd behind them, which is what younger wrestlers need to rely on, really, um, in some cases. And uh, But it was a great match. And then – that was Saturday, and then Saturday night ended with the Boneyard match. Did you, either of you guys hear about the Boneyard match at all? I'm sure no, you're going to tell us. So the Boneyard match was Undertaker versus AJ Styles, who's from Gainesville, Georgia, actually. Um, huh. 
and it was more like a mini movie. It was it was like a it was a street fight in a graveyard. It was amazing. Um, in the last few years, everybody knows Undertaker's old, and it's almost like oh wow, Undertaker's still around because he's so old. But he instead of having a proper wrestling match, they did a boneyard match. So they filmed it in a graveyard, and it was honestly one of the best matches of Undertaker's career. It's probably one of the best matches ever, honestly, because it wasn't so much a wrestling match as it was a short film. And I would think if you have access to the WWE Network or if you want to hang out after quarantine, you can <laughs> definitely watch this match again. But essentially, they fought in the graveyard and there was pyro. There were like, you know, people, ghosts coming in. Yeah. Undertaker was supposed to be buried alive and then he rose from the dead because he's the Undertaker and he puts AJ Styles and he I remember the old alive. Buried Alive match they did a long time yeah. ago. That was, was cool. Was yeah, so it was it was like your buried alive match, your inferno match, your falls count anywhere match, last man standing match all in one, and it was a boneyard match. And prior to this match, uh the Undertaker's last match before that was against Bill Goldberg in Saudi Arabia a couple months ago. And that match was atrocious. It was historically bad, especially when you think Undertaker, Goldberg, same ring. What a classic match. It was terrible. It's not even worth going back and watching because it was so bad. And yeah. apparently Undertaker had told Kurt Angle after that match that, like, I'm disappointed in myself for that match that I had in Saudi Arabia. I need to redeem myself. Yeah. WrestleMania is coming up. I can still redeem myself. And so he said, why don't you fight with AJ Styles? Because that will be a great match guaranteed. And if you don't know wrestling, you don't know AJ Styles, he's like, um, I mean, he's almost like a Giannis or like a Steph Curry, like Kyrie Irving, like just in terms of that caliber of talent. Like he's still got plenty of years ahead of him, um, but he has enough experience now where he is a star in his own right. Yeah. And uh, the guy can do anything, man. He can jump. He can, you know, he can take hits. He can deliver hits. He can talk smack. Uh, he's got the look and he's got the moves, you know, and it was really a great, He's not going to describe Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels, like, if you like Shawn Michaels, your guy now is AJ Styles. It's pretty much like that. It's like the new HBK. I just said that because you were singing a song. I know, I know, okay. but, like, it, 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 it fits. It fits, you know? Uh, he's got the long hair, too. So it really does, like, sync up just like that. Nice. But watch the Boneyard match. If you search for it on Twitter, you'll find GIFs and highlights, probably. It was great. Um, and that was just Saturday night. Then Sunday was actual WrestleMania yesterday. And I think for – at least for people like me and I think most wrestling fans, Saturday night's WrestleMania was better than expected, probably, because nobody knew what to expect given what's going on in the world. And it really delivered. So Sunday had a lot of high expectations to me. And I would argue that it probably didn't come close to being as good as Saturday did. However, there were some good matches. So we have a new WWE champion, Brock Lesnar, dropped the belt to Drew McIntyre, guy from Scotland, um, that a few years ago Vince McMahon introduced as, hey, this guy that I'm about to bring out is going to be the future world heavyweight champion one day. And this was in like 2009. Yeah. Um, so almost 11 years later, this guy finally got a chance to be nice. the champion at WrestleMania. 
And then he was still emotional, despite no crowd in the audience. The show went off air with him being emotional. And if, if there was 70,000 people in the audience, it would have been insane. Bunch of pyro, you know, the whole deal. Um, so that was great. Edge and Randy Orton, I'm sure you guys know these names because they're pretty old school wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. They had a uh, last man standing match. And it was pretty epic. I mean, these guys really just like, they fought on top of a semi truck. They fought on top of a pickup truck. They fought backstage in the locker room. They fought on the, so the show was filmed at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, which is like their training facility. They went to the main office in the Performance Center, in like the, the main boardroom in the Performance Center and fought there. And in the boardroom, there's a big table, like a big steel table. Because you got to think about it. This is WWE. So it's not a conference room like we're used to where it's like, okay, you know, for us, we're pretty tall guys. The, the table maybe comes up to our groin area. I mean, this is like a table that's probably like five, six feet off the ground, probably, you know? As far as like height-wise, the tables are high and it's like industrial steel. It's not just like, you know, plastic wood or whatever we're used to. Yeah. And they fought on the table. Edge climbed up on top of a fence. That was on the, he did an elbow drop from like six feet above Randy Orton. Probably broke his rib. Um, it was brutal. I mean, that's pretty much all I got. It was brutal. It was like a real brutal match. They have a lot of history against each other. That was great. That was emotional. And then you had the Firefly Funhouse. So you had Bray Wyatt and John Cena. And that was another mini movie. So... WrestleMania could win two Oscars this year, and I'm not even kidding. It really honestly could because you had John Cena versus Bray Wyatt, who's this, like, Undertaker Jr. demonic-like character who has one personality, but then when he turns around, he becomes a beast, and it's crazy. And John Cena had this match with this guy where they were going through different renditions of their careers. So John Cena came out in the nwo gear like he was hulk hogan which nice. i don't think anybody ever would have thought that they would have seen that yeah. um john cena came out and did the freestyle rapping thing which we hadn't seen in you know 10 years he came out as a, his original self from like gym shorts and the and the hair like when he first <laughs> made his debut and he like fought himself and then he got beat by bray wyatt at the end um it was, it was amazing. It's called the Firefly, Firefly Fun House. Uh, I tweeted about it. We'll tweet about it again. It was awesome. WrestleMania was pretty good. The last thing I want to say about WrestleMania for now is that we all know Gronk was the host of WrestleMania. Yeah. He started WrestleMania as the host. He ended WrestleMania um, as the 24-7 champion. And so what that means is now WWE has a belt in which – it's on the line anywhere, anytime. So kind of like the hardcore belt used to be where you can beat anybody up and kind of under any circumstances. The 24-7 belt is, hey, you could be in line at the grocery store. You could be getting coffee, getting gas, or you could be lacing up your boots to go fight a match and somebody could pin you and take the belt from you at any given time. So Rob <laughs> Gronkowski is a multiple-time Super Bowl winning champion. His girlfriend is one of my three-time, right? Yeah, three-time Super Bowl winning champion. His girlfriend I have a huge crush on. And now he's also the 24-7 WWE champion. This guy is a legend, man. 
that's I mean that's Gronkomania for you right there. You know what I mean? That's crazy. And so, are you ever gonna go up and try to take this title? Like, do you have a shot at it? Can you just if you see him in the grocery store, you're gonna go pin him? I yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, Really, I'd rather have his girlfriend than the belt. So like, I try to steal her from him. You know, win her over with some jokes or something. But no, if I see Gronk, it's on. I mean, this is an open challenge to Rob Gronkowski, bro. Come get it. Come get it. I, I'm, I'm ready. Come on, man. Oh, wow. All right. I'm ready. Um, we yeah, can issue I mean, that open challenge on Twitter. Bears, Birds, and Brews wants a 24-7 title from Rob Gronkowski. We're going to get it. Of Bears, Birds, and Brews wants a 24-7 title. Yeah. yeah. All right, but if you guys get it from him, then you let me get it from you. It's teamwork. No, okay. Gronk will Gronk will kill at least me and now there. So um, you're the little. You guys distract him. I'll take care of the belt. The goal is you just gotta pin him, right? You don't have to beat him in a fight. You just gotta. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool because Gronk, even though we had this like ten person <laughs> minimum rule established, Gronk jumped from a platform into a crowd of wrestlers, and then he pinned the guy who had the belt, and he won, and he walked away. Um, so it was pretty epic. So, like I said, you guys just need to distract him. I'll go get the belt, and and then we can be like the new NWO. That's pretty much what I'm saying. And that was the last we ever heard of Asif. (laughs) (laughs) It's because I'm drinking this beer. This beer is pretty good. Shout out to Definitive. Shout out to Monday Night. Support your local breweries um, at this time. What's up? Um, All right. Well, WrestleMania was crazy, but I think we have something even more crazier coming up or a little nonsense coming up, right? You have a little nonsense, uh, and I'm going to share this picture that I posted or that uh, Sports Center posted. Um, it's only nonsense because this is something we'll never, ever get to see in our lifetimes, unfortunately. But they posted a picture of two primetime lineups, uh, five on five, two teams, and uh, who would win. So the first lineup is, uh, I guess it's classics versus or legends versus contemporary stars. First lineup is uh, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Hakeem, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All players are in their prime versus Wade, Kobe, LeBron, Tim Duncan, and Shaq. Who would you? Who do you think would win? Um, oh, I gotta look at this picture again because yeah, you know, I before before we give an answer, unless Mabo, you're ready to give an answer. I just want to give quick thoughts on this matchup, this dream matchup, or this fantasy booking is what you'd call in wrestling. Um, all right, right now, Magic Johnson versus Dwayne Wade, you got to give the upper hand to Magic, right? I mean, as great as Dwayne Wade is, I would think Magic Johnson is still, I mean, Dwayne Wade is probably more athletic, more fluid, and he played in a time in which, you know, guys at his position and his size were asked to do more, you know? But yeah. Magic Johnson could literally play all five spots on the floor, and he's he's done it. In and, and he was pretty athletic, too, so I wouldn't take anything away from Magic being athletic. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Magic Johnson can do it, too. We just – he didn't have to be as athletic as Dwayne Wade had to be, right? You know what I mean? Um, arguably. But I would give Magic the upper hand on that. Jordan versus Kobe, I mean, it's honestly – it's That's one. Of, it's like It's like a quarterback duel. Like, whoever has the ball is going to score Period. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I'd give it to Jordan. I would, yeah, I mean, it, it's honestly, it's like, 
who has the ball that's that's almost who you have to give the advantage to i don't know like yeah. those would cancel each other out right this yeah, i'd call it wash yeah, yeah i'll um, give it a good now you got larry bird versus lebron james which actually you know Kawhi leonard has done a great job of defending lebron in the past but if there's one player that i would actually love to see lebron play against ever it is Larry Bird because I think Larry Bird would frustrate the hell out of him uh, defensively because he could keep up with him. Like size-wise, Larry Bird was like 6'6". I mean, Larry Bird is not a small guy, you know? Yeah. Physically, obviously, LeBron is – we've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And, again, if, you know, Magic and Bird had the weight training and the equipment and the conditioning that these guys have nowadays and the technology – to work out and exercise that guys had nowadays who knows what they would look like but i would bird versus lebron would be fascinating to me actually i give I'd that one lebron yeah same you'd pick lebron on that yeah, yeah. i pick LeBron. Oh, i would think you'd have to but i would think it would be fascinating to watch for sure it'd definitely be a good matchup um so before you get to the next matchup i just yeah. kind of want to say i feel like they didn't do the matchups right on this i feel like hakeem should have been guarding Shaq. And Kareem should be guarding Tim Duncan. That's just which is fair. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I can see that. I agree with that. And um, I don't know. I mean, you got the greatest power forward of all time versus the Dream. I don't know who would win that one. I mean, that would be tough because, like, I don't know. I mean, that would that would be really tough. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus Shaq. I mean, Shaq, I think, is the most dominant player ever to play the game, right? Yeah. Right. But I do think that Hakeem could probably slow down Shaq more than Kareem because Kareem wasn't as big as Hakeem was. Yeah. So I mean, Tim and, Duncan and versus, when it comes uh, down to fundamentals, yeah, Tim Duncan is a big fundamental. But before Tim Duncan, Kareem was the most fundamental player. So the, uh, yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar versus Tim Duncan would be like I, the equivalent of Jordan versus Kobe at those positions. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but all right. So who you got, Asif? Who would win? Man. I don't mind answers though. I would think I got to take the second line of guys, so I got to take D Wade, LeBron, Kobe, Tim Duncan, and Shaq, only because these guys I think are slightly more versatile in that, like Wade, Kobe, LeBron, uh, can all handle the ball. They can all play defense for any position, mm. and they can all rebound. They can all run the court. You know, not to say that these other guys can't run the court, but they can jump, they can run, they can rebound, they can pass. Um, you know, they can handle the ball. They can take one-on-one. They can take double team. They can shoot mid-range, long-range. They can get to the bucket, and they can make free throws. I forgot Magic Johnson does not know how to pass. Damn. No, I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that the other guys don't know how to pass. I'm just saying you have three guys who can do all that versus, like um, – so yeah, I never seen Thompson the team run the floor. Might be the best point guard ever play the game. Jordan's Ooh, the best imagine. player to ever play the game. And when I look at this lineup, and I, I know Larry Bird doesn't have the three point numbers that are out there right now, but the best shooter might be Larry Bird. I mean, after Larry, it's either Larry Bird or Kobe's the best shooter. On, yeah, and I would take Bird. I love Kobe, but I would take Bird through shooting. So, so you have the best shooter. You have the best player. You have arguably the best point guard. Um, I think the only thing that, like LeBron and Shaq, are the only wild cards. And LeBron would be a great defensive matchup. 
And then Larry Bird on Dwayne Wade, that'll work out. Jordan on Kobe, you can call it a wash if you want. I'll take Jordan. You can call it a wash. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the team with the MJs, the Bird, and um, Hakeem and Kareem. I mean, yeah, that, that's just – I think that's easy. I mean, Neville, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised if that team is the one that ended up winning by any means, you know. I don't <laughs> think anybody would be surprised about that. Um, but I would think – I don't know. It's just something about that X factor of Shaq and Kobe and LeBron being on the same team is – that's insane, you know, along with Kobe. I mean, I feel like Shaq is the X factor in this, that he's, he's going to be the most dominant one over here. Yeah. Uh, of all of them, but right. I don't know. Like, I feel like like Hakeem will be able to pull Shaq out out of the paint just because of the way Hakeem plays. And also, like, what Shaq do we have? Like, Shaq was never conditioned. Like, of, of these ten players, the least conditioned is Shaq. Yeah. Well, it says all players are in their prime, and then it really depends on which Shaq do you count in the prime. I mean, Shaq, Shaq, Shaq even in his prime Shaq. wasn't conditioned. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I agree. But Well, and, you know, Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley have even said this before. They're like, they know basketball, and they try to explain some things to Shaq sometimes. Like, you have to get the ball here. You have to pass it. You have to move the court. And Shaq says, no, you don't. And they say it's because Shaq never had to play by anybody else's rules. Shaq was so big and so dominant yeah. that he can yeah. dictate the game himself because he's so massive. Do and there's literally want. nothing you can do about it. Whereas yeah. Barkley and, and everybody else had to kind of play within the game, and Shaq was the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, who, who had, like, Shaq is the biggest X Factor on this, but I don't know. But, uh, okay, but tell me, you don't think Tim Duncan would find a way to come through, man? Of all these players, you're going to say Tim Duncan's going to come through? I would think <laughs> Tim Duncan, like, if you account for everybody else, I would think Tim Duncan is the one where you're like, if like you wouldn't be surprised if he beats you because he's Tim Duncan, you're just like how you know. Every player on this list, you wouldn't be surprised if they beat you. Right. That's why they call it a dream booking or a fantasy matchup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's no real answer. We'll never know. I mean, you could even play this in NBA 2K, and it's still not. It still won't be. No, it happen. wouldn't be accurate. It wouldn't be fair. No. And I bet if you ask all ten of these guys, all ten of these Hall of Famers you would get a different answer from each one of them. Like, yo, I would do this. This guy would do that. That guy would do that. Like, all 10 of them would have a different way of how this game plays out. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Good question. Uh, I think it's a really good question. Uh, it was a poll. So, if you do see that on Sports Center now, uh, take the poll. Uh, I would take the historic team as well. I think they would take it um, just personally. Um, I think M- MJ is the big one. Speaking of MJ. Wait, before that, the real question is, was it a cop-out for Nather's nonsense that Nather just stole something from ESPN? That's the real question. I mean, I don't know. Most of my nonsenses have been about things that have been occurring around the world. So, you know, Anything goes in quarantine. That's what I keep telling myself, you know, when I drink beer. <laughs> I think like, it's a cop-out. I think that's a cop-out. I think it was a good question. Yeah, you didn't come up with the question. Lengthy, intense debate. Right, I'll come up with something for next week. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not ESPN's nonsense told you by Nader. 
It's something found around the internet that I brought your attention to. If you had found it, we would have called your nonsense. You didn't find it. Suck up. Cop out. Cop out. On things coming up, as well as my nonsense next week, uh, we also have the Jordan documentary, Last Dance, that was pushed up to April due to the quarantine starting off next week. Um, on April 19th, that is something we will be doing watch-alongs with. Uh, Two weeks from now. Two weeks, yeah. Two weeks we get, not next Sunday, Sunday after. Sunday after. Solid. Two weeks from now, my bad on that. Which, so because you mentioned Jordan, did, you, did any of you watch the David Blaine thing? Uh, you know David Blaine, the magician? Yeah. David Blaine? No. What's, what yeah, David? David Blaine is the magician. He's the guy who like held his breath underwater for like seven minutes and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, so he just did a new special on ABC and they showed it last Monday. And he played magic tricks on Tom Brady, Odell Beckham Jr., um, the whole Lakers team. So LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, Rondo, all of them. And Michael Jordan himself, um, he tricked all these guys and like Aaron Paul, Jesse from Breaking Bad. He got him on some tricks too. And uh, you know what was what was interesting is David Blaine handed Michael Jordan the the deck of cards and he's like shuffle it. And Michael Jordan is notorious for like he's a notorious competitor. He tries to find every advantage of you against you that he can. You know what yeah. I mean? And he's known for this. And Michael Jordan even said himself, he's like, he's like, put it behind your back and shuffle the cards. And Michael Jordan was like, eventually he's like, I didn't shuffle it. I wanted you to think that you, that I shuffled it to trick you, but I didn't actually shuffle it. He's like, it's fine. And he's still, and David Blaine still got the trick right. So <laughs> this goes to show, man, magic is, or David Blaine is something else. But I never seen Tom Brady look like amazed the way that he looked amazed when David Blaine did these magic tricks in his house. It was pretty crazy. Sick. I'll have to check that out. That's Yeah, it was good. Watching magic shows. Um, but we will be doing the MJ Watch Along. We'll talk about it every Sunday about each episode. Um, I think that's one big thing we're looking forward to. In a couple of weeks, we also have the NFL Draft. So next week, uh, pre-draft episode, and then we'll talk about it um those couple of things coming up and uh there is a couple updates on the nba uh we don't know if they will come back this season what's going to happen with them it's going to be they might get a pay cut they're being asked to take a pay cut right now yeah they might they are taking another pay cut they might have to take another one we don't know if the season is going to return this year or not um apparently trump believes that the nfl season is going to start on time i hope so I don't believe it. I think it's going to be delayed just because Trump said it. Um, I, don't, I have zero faith in the guy right now. Um, of course, I would love to have it start on time. I don't know how it would. Um, let's see. We have the draft. So I just want to now that I just want to say one thing regarding yeah. this whole shutdown and stuff like that. I read this article on CBS Sports today, and the opening line of the article, which is mind blowing. The opening line of the article said that the NBA is losing millions of dollars a day. Think about that. Yeah. The NBA is losing millions of dollars a day. This is what this COVID shutdown has done to the economy and the world and sports. There's literally nothing is immune to it. It seems not even Tigers in New York City. Like nothing 
is immune to this pandemic. Yeah. Um, but millions of dollars a day is what they're losing. The NBA itself is bleeding cash. So, yeah. so is baseball. Every sport. But, yeah, so is every sport. But, I mean, just in regard to the NBA having to take a pay cut, the NBA being the first one to shut its season down, uh, we would be right on the cusp of the NBA playoffs right now, actually. There'd be two weeks left in the regular season. Yep. And the playoffs will be starting at the end of this month. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen now. I mean, so, you know, a lot of NBA players aren't going to make the money that they were going to make. And the salary cap for next year will be impacted by the revenue. Sorry, what's up, Lugo? Yeah, salary cap's going to be impacted, so. Yeah, so, like, I mean, you signed a long-term contract, three years, $62 million, and now the NBA might not even make $62 million next year or this year. I'm sure they made it or this year. Or the rest of this year. Yeah. But they might not make $62 million next year because who knows when they're going to start and what payments they're going to have to make in backup. So, I mean, it's, it's a crazy, crazy time to be alive. And, yep. um, you know, hopefully y'all have some beer to drink. <laughs> I mean, what else can you do, right? You know what For I mean? Real. Quarantine and chill, right? Um, the Masters were also rescheduled as Asif Chuck shut down. Um, so we are delayed on everything. I guess the only thing we have to look forward to is the draft, which hopefully still happens. Um, it's going to happen like this, actually. It's going to yeah. be yeah, – They're going to do a virtual draft. So yeah. draft is scheduled to happen still. They may change the draft format and make – around every day instead of doing first round second and third and then fourth yeah. fifth, sixth, and seventh they're going to do every day's one specific round yeah. which i think they should do i mean why not yeah might as well there's no competition anymore for tv yeah people are definitely gonna be tuning in no i will be definitely i'm gonna watch every pick <laughs> yeah and we're gonna talk about almost every pick we're gonna talk about every falcons and bears pick for sure for sure. Not any Bears picks, but we'll be talking about them. Yeah. Um, I'm also, like, curious because a lot of the draft, like, trades and occurrences and interactions happen because people are there discussing in person, right? So, like, it's like – Well, no. Every team has their own warm room, so it's going to uh, be over the phone anyway. No, it makes sense. So then it doesn't change that much. No. It is, like, in person. Um, hey, Vontae Mack, no matter what. Right, in the bill. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Mack, no matter what. Classic, baby. Uh, Yo, shout out Denzel Ward. Speaking of the Browns, shout out Denzel Ward. He's paying some bills for people right now in Cleveland um, to help out with this pandemic. We love athletes who are doing that. If you're an athlete, you're helping out, you want to be on the show and talk about it, let us know. <laughs> Sounds good. Or if there's any way we can get people to help you with anything you're working on, let us know. Um, on that note, the way to reach us is Bears, Birds, and Brews. On One more thing before we wrap it up, though. Uh, the Bulls are looking for a new GM. They did interview some. They did interview someone, but you know the Heat um, assistant GM and the Raptors assistant GM are likely already out. So it's slim pickings. But we'll and, and the bro, you mentioned that they interviewed somebody. This guy chose to stay in Indiana. He yep. got off with the job. Yep. So. A little worrisome, but hey, we'll probably have a new GM whenever the NBA starts up again. All right. Here's a here's a nonsense question for you. An original one. Yes. Would you consider the Bulls a historic franchise? Would I consider them a historic franchise? Yes. 
I would consider them historic franchise, but not to the level of a Lakers or a Knicks or or well, even the Bears in a sense. I mean, well, you you have to Chicago keep, it the same sport. keep it within the same sport. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Bulls came. I think the Bulls and the Hawks came into the league the same year. I think they both came in 1966. Um, do I consider them historic, like the Celtics, Lakers, Knicks? No. Um, but do they have the market? Do they have like the ability to be a top team marketably? Yes. Because oh yeah. A huge market. They no matter what, they'll always be associated with Jordan. And Jumpman logo is probably the most recognizable. One of the most recognizable logos out there. So they'll always be associated with Jordan and they'll always be associated as a, as a brand similar to the Yankees, similar to the Lakers, similar to the Knicks, similar to the Celtics. But are they as historic? I don't think so. Well, and I would slightly beg to differ. It's, it's crazy to think that for me, because I don't know that people see it this way, that the Bulls are on the same level as the Yankees, the Celtics, the Lakers. Like, I don't think people put the Bulls in that category. Um, but they are technically the only dynasty in Chicago history, which is fascinating to think about. I mean, unless you want to count the 30s Bears, but all right. I mean, are people still talking about that, though? I am. I just did. <laughs> you just did. Come on. Bears, you know yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, they're, but, but the thing is, dynasties in general aren't very common. Like how many dynasties can we really name? You got the you got the Patriots of the two thousands. Uh, you got well. The- I mean, I would think then you're going Yankees, Celtics, Lakers. Like you know, I mean, the Cardinals have won eleven World Series. I don't know if anybody but, falls baseball. Is that really a dynasty? I mean, it was pretty spread out. Like a dynasty means that you've been winning for multiple years altogether. I have to look into the to the Cardinals to see if they are a dynasty. I don't know. I mean, I would consider. Alabama dynasty. Right, right. Um, Clemson, maybe Clemson. Clemson almost a dynasty. Clemson's on the cusp of it. Maybe one more and they'll be a dynasty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dynasty, like um, UCLA, that's a dynasty. I mean, right. I mean, there's only a handful of dynasties out there. And I already named more than five. So only two handfuls of dynasties out there. And, and the Bulls are <laughs> one of them. I mean, it's yeah. safe to say the Bulls are one of them. Arguably, again, like arguably the only one in Chicago but still probably the third, maybe even the fourth most popular team in Chicago right now. Obviously, when Jordan was there, I would imagine the Bulls were more popular than the Bears. Um, I mean, right now, the Bulls are probably tied with the Blackhawks in terms of popularity. I mean, Bulls have taken a hit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would love to be in Chicago when Jordan was around, which we were all living there, but we didn't really know it. We weren't aware of what was going on. Not even close. Yeah. All right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, we had a little extra time, but I think that's a wrap right now. Bears, Birds, and Brews. Um, check us on YouTube now as well, Spotify, Apple. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Wash your hands. Hope everyone's staying safe. Have a good night, guys. See you later. Thank you. <laughs>